Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Debrief Podcast. This is Airman Jance, joined as always by Colonel Baker and Chief Flores, our 97th Air Mobility Wing Command Team. And we have a very special guest this afternoon. We have Chief Shelley Jarvis from our small but mighty med group here on base. Welcome to the show, Chief. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but we'll bounce right into it. Uh, command team, how are you gentlemen doing? We're great. Yeah. It's uh, podcast time. We've got Chief Jarvis with us. It has been a rapid fire two weeks. It's been absolutely full throttle between Commander-in-Chief Installation Excellence Award site visit. So we're in the running for the top two in the Air Force. We think we're the best in the Air Force. We definitely have the best airman mission and facilities, and we put our best foot forward. So we're excited about that. And then we rolled right into a visit from our 19th Air Force Commander, General Stewart, along with the 18th Air Force Commander, General Martin, as well as a competency summit where our operations group was mapping out what competencies our flying training unit is going to need so we can orient to the China challenge and make sure that we're training for the future. So it's been a crazy, awesome two weeks. What do you think, Chief? It's been fun. Yeah, a lot of senior leader engagements. And from my perch point as the command chief, it's just advocacy. That's all that I see is uh, folks are coming to show an interest and they want to understand the greatness of our mission, our airmen, and they walk away with a few nuggets to try to go carry the water for us at a higher level. And so you have a great little way to put that. Yeah, we say senior leader interest leads to advocacy. Advocacy leads to progress. Progress leads to resources and care for our airmen and families. So it's a great way to look at it. Yeah, so for our airmen out there, it's not just a dog and pony show. There's there's a means to an end with these visits. Yeah, it's perfect. And they care. They're great Americans who really care about airmen and families here. And speaking of some of their highlights, we're (laughs) over at Small But Mighty Town, our 97th Medical Group, Chief Jarvis. You Absolutely. took a few folks through there, didn't you? We did. We did. We took um, Colonel Dykus and then Chief After Car and Joel Stewart came by and they all they ate some bugs and they used um, drunk goggles and it was it was a great time. Sounds like hazing to me. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> fun our, hazing. Our med group is a place of great excitement and fun. Yes. Uh, and and you got to show off a lot of your a lot of your great airmen and great initiatives. There is definitely an energy that really hits you when you walk in. It's a very positive energy. And how many times have we been over there, Chief, where we've walked in there and we walk out with our batteries recharged and I look over at him and I say, you can't, can't fake that. Cannot manufacture that on the spot. It either exists, it's part of the culture, or it's not. So it's really remarkable. I don't know what y'all are doing over there. What's your what's the, what's the secret, Chief? Drunk goggles and, and <laughs> doing traits and, and, and eating, eating bugs. bugs. I see. No, we just have <laughs> great, formula. just good airmen. Just, it's super simple. That they're motivated and, and they inspire me. So, yeah, they're just good. Hey, Chief Jarvis, can we get a brief introduction into who you are? Where where did you come from? Uh, tell me, if you can, why did you join? When did you join? You know, give, me, give me a little background on who Chief Jarvis is. Yeah, so I'm originally from um, Pocahontas, Arkansas. So in the middle of nowhere. Arkansas, which is actually not too far from here. Um, so about six and a half hours. Um, I've been in the Air Force. I just hit 25 years last, not this Saturday, but Saturday before last. That's huge. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It goes so quick, right? I, I, It goes so fast. You know, one minute I'm marching on the wrong foot at BMT, and then the next minute I'm a chief sitting here doing a podcast with the Wing Commander and Command Chief. So that's 
pretty cool. Um, so I am married. I have two kids and a dog. Um, and my family's still in Virginia, right? When I PCSed here, my family stayed um, in Virginia. Why did I join the Air Force? Um, so I lived in Europe by myself at age 19. So I got to travel all around and do a lot of really cool things. Um, but then I kind of needed to do something else with my life and I wanted to go to college. Um, so I thought that the military, I'd been around the military forever. Um, my dad was in the military. And so I just thought it would be a good stepping stone for me for four years, right? <laughs> and here I am 25 good. years later. That's how it happens. It is, it is for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's really it. Oh, oh I'm a dental hygienist by trade. Okay. I've been in dental hygienist since 2008. So I am curious, you were running around Europe. How did, how did you end up running around Europe? So your dad was, you said military, what served, what branch? So my dad was in the army. My dad was actually a warrant officer in the army. Um, when he retired, he... That was my mother. Yeah? Yep. Retired uh, CW3. Okay. Mine, mine was a two. So my okay. dad actually went to E8 and then became a warrant officer. Same with my mom. Um, see, look at us. Oh, wow. uh, maybe uh, are we related? Yeah, what's yeah, going on here? My mom's brother and sister. Um, but yeah, so my dad, once he retired from the military, he um, got into the GS system and he worked for Army Missile Command. And so when I was a senior in high school, we moved to Ramstein. And I did my senior year of high school there and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I met my husband at that time. Um, and when my family left, I went with them for a little while. And then I decided that, yeah, I wanted to move back to Europe. And I did. Um, and I was young and I was broke, but I lived in Europe and it was amazing. Yeah. What, were you working odd jobs or what did you So work? I worked for NAF so I yeah. could get an ID card. So I worked at the rec center there, and then I worked at the deli at the commissary for a while, so I could make ends meet. Yeah, I was broke. I've been to that deli before, by the way. It's that, nice, that right? That was the place back in the day. That, that was the place. It was really neat. Yeah, it, it's it's cool. the The cool thing about that, though, is um, my daughter graduated from Ramstown High School as well. So that's not something with military families you see that often. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love living in Europe. That's incredible. I love those stories of the jobs as you're coming up. I, I, I have this theory that I think everybody in America should have to work what I call an arduous job. I, I think, I think everybody should have to work one it just gives you the appreciation for, right. um, you know, for working hard and for um, having to really log the hours and appreciation for other people. Right. Weren't you a sandwich artist? Sir? I was. I worked at Subway. I started out as <laughs> working at catering and which was a really hard job mm -hmm. in high school. Uh, it, you got to work, you work to the bone and you know, you're not, you're not always treated um, as well as you'd like to be in a service position. So I think you learn a lot. You do. And you learn to have perspective and treat people with respect when you're on the other side of the coin. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I was a karaoke hostess. Oh, that was good. Time. So this means you can sing. No, Would absolutely like not. Some? No, no, absolutely not. Well, I, okay I, sing <laughs> so you bounced around Europe for a while. I did. And decided, yeah. 25 years later. And it's funny because it came in open general. Um, but I wanted to be a dental assistant. I, that just really always was, it was a cool job to me. And so I thought I was going to be security forces. I actually did because I came in open general and I got the job I wanted and that was it. It's funny how that, how that happens. You go open general and then all of a sudden you're, you're assuming security forces, but all of a sudden you get something, just an outlier. Right. It just happens to come up and Right. Look at that. Crazy. You know, and nothing. So not that there, there's there's a stigma with security forces, but I knew what I wanted to do. But if 
I couldn't come in with a guaranteed job, right? And I knew that um, from being at Ramstein, um, I knew that security forces, they have a hard job. And it's not like dental assistants don't work hard, but you know, I'm, I didn't want to be. Different kind of hard work. It's, it is, yeah. absolutely. But uh, I wanted to ask you a question. You're, you're the med group superintendent now. Uh, you've been a MAGCOM functional manager. You've been uh, a superintendent for a number of squadrons. Uh, how did your career as the squadron superintendent, the MAGCOM functional manager, how was that transition into a med group, a group superintendent? Was it easy? Uh, would you say you've, you kind of just fit in really, really easily? Or were there some challenges from going from say a squadron level to a group level? Yeah, so I've been lucky in my career and I've had the opportunity to um, actually fill in for a number of group superintendents and I actually was um, filled in for about four or five months at Ramstein as a group superintendent and that's massive. Um, And luckily while I was at Ramstein, I had really great chiefs that worked with me as the the squadron SELs and they taught me a lot. So coming here, um, I kind of fit in right away, um, I think. I think that they were a little bit surprised by me um, and how I operate at, at first, but I think that... Can, that can, you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? So I, somebody told me once I needed to have enlisted calls or calls, all calls right away, um, because my standards were very, very high. And so I did, but my standards aren't high, I just enforce them, right? And that's, that's the difference. And so I think it was a little bit of a surprise in the beginning and how I operate, and I'm very blunt, um, very honest. Um, but yeah, no, I fit in pretty quickly, but it wasn't, I had to because of Omicron. I got here on the 3rd of January and Omicron just spiked immediately. And I didn't really even have a chance to get to know my commander. It just, we had to work together. It was super simple. And the way that my group was introduced to me was really, okay, how do we do this? How do we fix this? Right. And there were a lot of them that got sick. Um, and how do we, how do we take care of our patient population, our beneficiaries and half of them are sick. And so we jumped in and I, you know, anywhere that we could, I helped as well. And so I think that that kind of, um, created that bond in the beginning because they knew that I was, I had their backs and then I would work with them. So it, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that difficult. Nothing, nothing builds a team like shared adversity. Overcoming adversity is really where teams, you talk about that deep trust. When you can overcome something challenging like that. It really does bring a team together, assuming that you're successful and know where. And I was here, Chief and I were both here, Chief Flores and I were both here when, when y'all fought through Omicron and the med group was really the heroes of that. That was a, we had cases in a day, case numbers in a day that we hadn't seen in months combined. I just kept fighting through it. It was incredible. That was an interesting time. You drove Stewart hit on it. That was the first time that medical took. They were the lead unit yeah. in, in the fight. And they, I mean, to hear the, the stories, right? Like uh, their group commander took on secretary role, mm-hmm. uh, essentially all hands on deck to yeah. whatever it took. And it re-benefits. I mean, 95% so we were able to maintain our, our flying where it needed to be. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. I thought it was cool how y'all adapted in the middle of it too, changing the whole testing program. And, you know, y'all never ran out of supplies. Mm-hmm. You never ran out of tests. You tested all the time and you, you kept the, the functions up to service the population. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, the amazing thing about how we changed our um, testing protocols was that was a tech sergeant who came up with that. Mm-hmm. 
right? So yeah. so they presented it, a tech sergeant and a staff sergeant presented it to um, our executive staff. And, you know, we decided, well, what can it hurt? Let's just try it. Um, and it worked very, very well. Um, and it was so cold outside. I remember that. And I remember walking out and checking on them to make sure that they were okay. And just being like, man, they, these guys are rock stars. It's freezing and they're, they're const- constantly out here because cars were just backed up, you know, so far with patients needing to be tested. Versus this is the debrief. What would you say, what's the biggest lesson learning you learned from that time as a chief or a leader? Oh man. That's a great question. Um, I would say words matter, actions matter, right? When we had people getting sick, we couldn't afford to lose any more people. Or, you know, we had somebody who had worked so hard and so many hours that she was just spent. She was spent and you could see it and you could see that she wasn't doing well. So we asked her to take a knee to go home. Mm-hmm. And she was one of our driving factors in how well everything worked out, right? She was she was a key player in mm-hmm. testing everything and, um, you know, telling her to go home and giving her that day or that those two days to kind of recoup and, and, and um, gather her thoughts. I think that it really helped. And, you know, she actually was not going to reenlist in in the Air Force and she ended up doing it. And that was one of the driving factors of her doing that. And, you know, that's awesome because we retained an amazing airman. So I think that actions and then words matter. It's not what you say sometimes also, it's how you say it, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and you know, if leaders panic, um, our airmen panic. Yeah, yeah you just can't as, as a leader. And there's that, we've talked about this in previous debriefs. You know, there's, I, I've never, you know, nobody wants to follow negative energy. Um, you know, there's always a place for optimism. I think, you know, we've talked before, there's a time and a place for at that moment, at that at that precise moment, to be honest with a team and say, hey, this, this is going to suck for a minute or two. Um, but then there's always a, you know, there's always a path to, to a better place, I think. And, you know, that's it. You hit on like a key thing of, of leadership, no matter how, how bad it gets. It's okay for that, you know, when, when it's bad, you know, you can't, you can't tell your team in a sucky situation that, hey, this isn't a sucky situation. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're just not going to respond well to that. But you can level with a team and say, you know what, this sucks right now, but here's a plan. We're going to fight through this and we're going to come out in a better place. It sounds like you, you did that. And the other thing we talk about, Chief, is, uh, is deploying the speed brake. And I say this a lot, but I've realized one of the things I've learned in command is um, I will often say, hey, the squadron commanders are the speed brake. Uh, deploy the speed brake if you need to for the pace and the tempo of your unit. Come up on the net, let us know if you need to take a knee. But what I found is sometimes you have to be the speed brake because our airmen are so mission focused that they won't do it. Um, and it's not because they're, they're maybe even under overt pressure, it's internal pressure, and they will not allow themselves to deploy a speed brake, just like you said with your superstar. You probably told her, you know, hey, when you need to take a break, take a break. And, Absolutely. Or, or him, her, him, uh, but they just never came up on the net because they're working so hard. So you did it. Right. And even when I asked her to go home, we told her, I didn't ask her, I told her to go home actually. She said, well, I just have to finish a few things. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, you don't have to yeah. finish a few things. You need to go, you need to go home. And so she said, okay, give me five minutes. And I said, okay. And then five minutes I went back and, and walked her to the door because that she would have left. Was what she, what she, she did to get back in the fight. It's incredible. Did. 
That is awesome. When we talk about the show, that coach versus cheerleader, yeah. and balancing, pushing our folks because mm-hmm. there's a mission to get done, but knowing when yeah. uh, to roll them in. But uh, you know, from afar, there's two things that really stood out from my perch point to medical group. One is they probably define what a multi-carable airman mm-hmm. really is during that two months, three months, uh, because of necessity. All hands on deck. Who who needs to do what? Uh, we just need to get the mission yeah. done. And the other part is leading by example, right? Uh, no job was too big or too small for any of our folks. And I think that's the most powerful thing a leader can do is uh, is lead by example, lead with action. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, sir, or you like to say, yeah, it sucks, but they want to see your leader up front uh, in the trenches with you when that matters. And uh, I think everybody did that during that time for over there. It's definitely a, a proud time to be an airman. I remember being on the crew side. I mean, we were showing up. There was four crews and people were falling out for every crew. And there's a person with a, uh, a little board just putting crews together just get the mission done uh, that was a special time i look back and i and i and i rejoice in our airman's will to get the get things done around yeah. here same it was impressive lots of admiration for the team and getting after it and you're absolutely right they they have to know in those moments that everybody is going to roll up their sleeves and do what needs to be done that's right from the top to the bottom so that's a little bit about that hey this isn't you know this isn't going to be this isn't going to be fun at this moment in time, but we're all in it together. We're all rowing the same boat. We've got to demonstrate that. It's perfect. I think what's also cool is rallying cries. you got to have a rallying cry. And, uh, yeah. Hey, Chief, so you arrived 3 January. I did. When was the wing award ceremony? Because I think <laughs> so, that's when we got the big unveiling. I feel like it was in May or April or May. It was in February. In February. So it a was month. in February. So yeah. what's uh, what's your guys' rallying cry over there? <laughs> shots, shots, shots. It's accurate. And it's got the, the little pill bottles, too. We do have oh the little gosh. pill bottles. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of excitable, exciting energy in the night group. Whose brainchild was that? Mine. Oh. <laughs> Imagine that, right? I think, I think it was that the, was that the very first award ceremony, and did y'all win the Spirit Award on that on that one, or was it the next one? So at the, it Orders. was the annual awards yeah. where we unveiled that, and yeah. it was the um, with the spirit stick. It was, I think it, it might have been maybe two, yeah, two afterwards. Um, but they, my, they bring it. They are so we're such a small group, but yeah. but my airmen definitely bring bring the energy and the fun to yeah. to me to my job, right? Thanks, sir. They're pros too. Yeah, you know, it's 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 it's. It's unbridled energy, but it's always highly professional. I was thinking um, when uh, Airman Carly was started, Carly Airman Carly. Airman Carly. Airman Carly. Air, she she operates like an NCO. She does. Um, when she was walking General Stewart and the team through the med group, and how poised and polished she was in, in that delivery, and it wasn't scripted. She just knows the business inside now. She knew every turn to make, exactly where the handoff was going to be. It was just incredible. She's a superstar for sure. Um, she she did work really hard on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we practice. did our practice runs with her, she she had it down. I know that when when I walked with her, because I was one of the last people to walk with her before you know the actual visit, I was so impressed. I I couldn't believe you know that she was operating at that level because I don't know if as an A one C I operated at that level. Um, so she's very impressive, very impressive. And she's always positive and has the best attitude. Um, most of them are there. You know, yeah. it's it's easy. It's My job is easy. I love that word, positive. I think that's a choice. That's it a decision you make every day. As opposed to happy, that's fleeting. You can't, uh, 
Like you go in and out of that phase, but positive, you can. That's a mindset that you bring every day. That's, I, I definitely demand of our airmen. I know you demand that of your airmen. But uh, it's interesting. I I think when we had our immersion with medical group, it was awesome. Uh, but I think when you came into the mix, there was a certain level of pride that, that went up over there. What do you do to drive that? It really is. is it, this goes back to what Chief and I were saying. You can feel it when you come into the into the medical group, and you can't manufacture that. So where does it where does it come from? I think that um, you know I we give them affirmation on a regular basis, but we also give them um, standards and discipline, um, and we talk to them about how important their jobs are. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me as a leader is I really like to have fun. I love to have fun. I love to laugh and, and my commander does as well. Um, and I think our airmen can feel that, you know, part of it also is, is just letting them get to know you and being authentic with them. Um, that authenticity goes a really, really long way. Um, going to visit them, um, and just walking around, um, not just to check a box, right? Not, not to check a box, but to, to have them know that you truly care about what they're talking about and how they feel. Um, and, you know, shot, shot, shots. <laughs> so yeah. That makes a difference. Too. It has to be fun. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's work. And it can't always just be work. Yeah. So. Well said. And, and, you know, I think in, in our business, I, I say that and I hope that we, we lead in the way that you're leading. That's the, that's the goal is to, you know, it should be the nature of it should be fun and it should be rewarding. You know, you can keep it on the side of professional and have a heck of a lot of fun doing what we do. Right. And I think that, you know, when the suck does come along, mm -hmm. if they're generally having, if they generally like what they do and they're having fun, then when that suck does come mm -hmm. along, it doesn't sting as bad. That's right. They can persevere. Absolutely. Because again, they know what's on the other side. Right. A little bit more resilient. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I just say, what do you, what do you do in the 99% of the time there's no crisis? Yeah. Are you building a team? Right. Building uh, the foundation, you're laying the foundation. Yep. So when you do hit that mark, you can get through it because your team trusts you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are we going to call this? The Altus effect at some point? What? Oh yeah. It's a thing. I think Chief's got part of the story. She's got part of this. She's, she's, she's definitely has part of this Altus effect story. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, you... Was were you jumping over the moon when you got? Of course, he was. <laughs> was with anger, it was because I was, was so mad. Was this your geographic Absolutely of no, no. I actually um, was not um, due to PCS um, to at all, actually. And so I had just gotten an extension to stay where I was in Virginia, and two months later, I got a phone call saying that I was going to start interviewing for positions. And, um, you know, I, I interviewed with Colonel Rutan and we hit it off. I knew, I knew, right. Um, I expected that phone call. And, um, so my family and I decided that if I were to get selected for the position that they would stay in Virginia and I would PCS here, knowing that there was a very good chance that I'd be heading back to Virginia within 13 months, um, to become a CFM for my career field and um which you are set to go do yes Congratulations. sir thank you thank you but um i got here and um you know it was january 3rd it was freezing it was so cold i'll never forget that how cold it was here when i got here right i thought wow isn't it supposed to be warmer here and it was windy very windy um 
but once I got to the med group and, and Omicron kicked off, um, you know, and I got to know my people really quickly, you know, I started to kind of like them a little bit, right? And I always tell them, man, I wish I didn't like you. Um, I want to be mad. <laughs> right. Um, and it was very uh, quickly after that, I realized that this is not even close to the worst assignment that you can get. This is actually probably, besides not having my family here, one of my favorite assignments, um, I will say that. Yeah. Um, if my family were not in Virginia, my daughter just started nursing school too, I would absolutely bring them here and stay here. We have a great community. Um, I love this community. Um, they're very accepting. Um, and then my leadership and, you know, this wing is, is a great wing. I've had opportunities here that I would never have any other place. I was, I was talking about the fact that I rode a horse. Cattle drive. <laughs> through for, official duties. For, for official duties. For official duties, duties right? With um, a sanctioned, approved, right. wing approved cow, cowboy, cowgirl. Right. I never thought that I would do that um, while I was in the military, but it was so cool. It was so cool. I went to a powwow. Yeah. Um, and... Colonel Hollister and I were honored at the powwow, yeah. and that was amazing. Um, this is just a great place. It, it really is. I would come back here in two seconds. That's awesome, Chief. You had some great commanders, too. Here. I have, I have um, Colonel Rattan. Um, she was she was awesome. Um, she's very sassy, very 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 spicy. <laughs> she may listen My to this. Is Judy Colonel Judy Rattan. Judy, that's right. We're Judy. here to assist you with all your medical needs. Love <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. Oh, yes. Yeah, she was great. Um, you know, she she and I became pretty tight. Um, you know, one of the things with her is that, and I think it's with any leader when they trust you, and they put faith in you. Um, I don't think that you can go wrong. Um, same thing with Colonel Roberts. I absolutely love working him, with him. I'm, I'm going to miss him um, and his family. Yeah. Um, and, and this family, you yeah. know, the, the Wing family, it just in general, I've, I've had, it's just been really good, just really great. And my airmen, my airmen. And I think that that's probably what I'm going to miss the most sure. about being here is having airmen and having yeah. the chance to sit here with airmen, right? Officers and enlisted. Um I will absolutely miss people coming to my office um, and saying hi and crying even <laughs> sometimes, yeah. right? Needing a hug. And I guess I, I'm a hugger now, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Altus, Altus did that to you as <laughs> right. well, right? <laughs> Made me a Turned hugger. Absolutely. <laughs> Making the impossible possible. They, yeah, for sure. For sure. And the first time, you know, somebody starts cry i'm like i don't know what to do with you and they start stepping towards me and i start stepping back right no <laughs> for our listeners it looked like she was that. she was holding a baby off and that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's really what happened i put my hands on their shoulders and kind of no we don't do that right well, chief self-deprecating a little bit <laughs> you you definitely have that coaching that arm around the shoulder warm side that you we were talking about sherry who walked in here <laughs> there was a an nco that was leading some event here and chief was filling in for me as a command chief. And I heard the, the whispers afterwards that, uh, that chief knife handed this poor NCO. But when we debriefed, it turned out you just held him accountable. He had no plan. Uh, he had really no, he, he had a vector, but he, he didn't follow through with this side and, uh, you held him accountable. And, you know, one of our guiding principles, accurate feedback yeah. always. Yeah. So I, I think it was a, it was a rude it's awakening fair. and he's better for it now. Professional fair. He's better for it. So. And I've seen him since then, and 
waved and whatnot, but I think he was pretty upset. But, you know, one of the biggest things I think as a leader is empathy, yeah. too. Um, and, and when you're at that group level, um, if you have great squadron SELs, you know, your job is a little bit more fun and you get to have that empathy for for your airmen. Um, and that's something that I didn't always have. Um, I was very much a knife hander, um, you know, but as I think I've matured and grown into my stripes, I think that empathy is huge. And, and I love when they come to my office and they need a, my airmen need a hug. You know, um, yeah. that's it's the fact that they're coming to me. Yeah. To get that is huge. Yeah. You know, I just had an epiphany. That's the other power of having a strong network. Um, the fact that the way he, the way the pro Joe took, took the conversation and the feedback, the way he felt, uh, was quickly diffused when I talked to him because he trusted me a lot. He knew me right. a lot longer. And uh, I was able to speak to your, to your good leadership, a good name. And he quick like, okay, well, if you're telling me that, then I'm going to believe right. it. Which goes to show, right? Like when we, May not have the best interaction with somebody. You hope your network can share what you really are about uh, to help regain that credibility that members' eyes. And I think we got there. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, I just I, I love the the overall kind of thing you're describing across the privileged positions that we all have, and that's the the, the airmen are the source of energy. You know, the, it's a these jobs are, of course, they're arduous in some ways. They're hard and challenging. Um, everybody's job's hard and challenging, but, but contact with airmen really puts gas in your tank. It, it fills, charges the battery up. It's, it's amazing to see people come off the staff and have contact with the wing. Cause you can just see them light up. In fact, when your boss got here, when Colonel Roberts got yes. here and he was coming off a, you know, a really hard job on the staff that didn't have high contact with airmen. Um, and, and the staffs are great doing great work, but you know, the contact with airmen part, and you could just see him, visibly change from the interaction with the airman that he had. And it was, it was amazing to watch him. He's fired up. He is. And he loves, so he loves being with airmen. Actually, right before I came over, we were, we were walking around and um, talking to airmen and, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, it's fun. Um, they bring a smile to our face. Nine times out of 10. 9.7 times, <laughs> times out of 10. Um, you know, they're just, they're just amazing. And I'm, Definitely, like I said, I'm, that's what I'm going to miss the most, yeah. having Airmen right there. Um, it's, yeah, that's going to be hard. Well, maybe at some point in the future, you'll rotate out of your CFM job and into a command chief job. Maybe. We'd love, to, we'd love to see that one with you. Yeah, I mean, she made the list huh. this year and uh, goes show to her immense talents. I mean, yeah. You look at her records, it was all postured for future functional manager gigs. She came here, hit the ground running. Did an amazing job for our wing. Put on a lot of really cool things. Our first SEO offsite was uh, yeah. you at the charge, and uh, we push. I mean, this is the first time you got pushed for uh, strategy to get pushed for command chief, and lo and behold, you got picked up right away. So, but you had a hard decision to make, and I know your family's. I mean, that comes first. So, right. Uh, it was easy for you, but obviously, it was it was hard for us to, to say that such a talented leader goes back to that that side. But we understand. You know, it was interesting when I first met uh, Chief Jarvis. Uh, she was telling me about her MFM gig, and she stays in some random building. And it was during uh, it was during COVID, so you can't really get a lot of FaceTime. And what really struck out, really stuck out, was when she started talking about Airmen and how she lit up every time she got to go visit bases and and see them. And I thought that that's going to be a good leader yeah. that we have here. Thank you, thank you. I definitely um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change my time here for anything. I actually wouldn't. I would so, do it exactly the same. So, are you going to leave kicking and screaming? Is that the Alpha's effect? Is that what we called it? I know you that's, want to get back to your family, but from an airman perspective, that sounds like you're going to absolutely it's be hard separation. It is. I think. It is, and as time gets closer, um, it's it becomes a little bit harder for me. Um, it does. I have had a couple of airmen deploy, and had to say, "Hey, I'll see you later," right? Because when they come back, I won't be here. Um, I had an airman, um, <laughs> Airman Campbell, um, talk to me on Friday and say, Chief, I'm so sad. You're going away in like three weeks. And I said, it is in three weeks. She's like, who's going to look at me with those eyes? It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure you'll do something and somebody will look at you with those eyes. It's fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, Speaking of great airmen, she's, she's, she's one of them. She you've is. Got, you've got some. Really great wing dorm, wing dorm with a quarter. Yeah, baking cookies, right? I um, had the opportunity to sit with another a staff sergeant today who I was going to mentor. Mm-hmm. Right, we had lunch and it was, hey chief, will you do an exit interview with me and and get some, let me get some mentorship? And it turns out that he mentored me mm-hmm. instead, um, and I will miss that also. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That was our our first guest ever, Scotty Shoemaker. It was. Yeah, who's off to future lieutenant? Yeah, future lieutenant. Yeah, shoemaker. Yeah, he finally has his class date. I think he leaves this spring. He does. I think he leaves in March. It's a few wow. weeks after I leave. It's amazing how fast the world moves. It is, for sure. He, um, you know, he he said a few things to me and um, just talked about legacy, um, and and what his legacy, what he wants his legacy to be, um, and then you know what mine would be. Um, and it was, you know, for me, as I made a difference, the difference, right. And even if I left here tomorrow, I feel like I made a difference for my airmen and hopefully other airmen across the wing. Um, you know, I, I, that's the most important thing as a leader that you can do is make a difference and a, and a positive impact. Well, stats airmen. matter. How many, how many quarterly awards in one, <laughs> in one quarter, man? Let's not flop that around in so, here, okay? <laughs> so Chief Flores likes to, likes to call me the Al Bundy of quarterly awards. Four touchdowns in one game. <laughs> so I will just say that since I've been here in a year, we've won about 12 wing quarterly awards, yeah. which... Yeah is pretty cool doing good punching above your weight small but mighty town as we call it they absolutely are they are um they're they're a good group Uh, i will cleaning out my office you know i i just i'm not doing it (laughs) that's funny (laughs) see my sergeant sutton when he's as he's filling in he's gonna have um his little unicorns everywhere and (laughs) wonder woman here like i started last week it's almost i'm just not no, I've, I've, I've really not. Um, no, all my Wonder Woman stuff is still up. So that's what he gets to look at for a minute. Does he have any – I feel like we, we're your, – your moderator duties are easy today. They are. Yeah, no, we, didn't, we I, didn't even ask the normal question because we've been going back and forth so much about how Jance is doing. And he's got the cup. He's got the Minnesota cup. cup. He's, he's wearing a race. turtleneck this time. He's got a turtleneck. It's interesting. Yeah, that's like a cow neck. It's a it's, it's a little cold outside, you know. You lose you lose a lot of heat in the neck. I, I guess so. It looks like <laughs> a, cow, a cow neck um, OCP top. Andrew Allen Poe had one very similar to that. No, I'm I'm doing very well. I uh, appreciate you guys asking me. Uh, I mean, besides the weather, you know, the weather's been kind of hectic. But uh, you guys mentioned the sink visit. 
uh, which went well for us as well in the PA office. Uh, we had uh, Colonel Barrington uh, drop by the PA office. We got to show her, show off our uh, morale paintings of SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. That's what we do to boost yeah. morale That's sometimes, awesome. SpongeBob paintings. Uh, and uh, I had the opportunity to showcase. Uh, I set up the podcast and I showcased it to her. Uh, she was super hyped about that. Maybe we talked about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and then we showcased uh, what what we do for the wing, you know, what we do as PA, um, which I got to talk about our, our TDYs we get to go on and how, how that helps us in the future fight and, you know, showcasing to somebody in China and Russia who's watching Altus Air Force, pa- Air Force Base, our page, Showcase what we're doing here in in mighty in the mighty ninety seventh. Our podcast like is that. a matter of national security. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, you get to interact with all these great leaders, and chiefs. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, we had the the MAF uh, Mobility Air Force Competency Summit uh, this last week. That was that was another great opportunity for a bunch of a bunch more DVs to to come and eighteenth um, nineteen Air Force generals. I mean, holy cow! What a what a heck of a two weeks it's been for the entire base, just nonstop. And guess what? We're not going to slow down. We're we got DVs coming in left and right, and events coming up. I mean, we've got. I, I already saw Legacy the Spear was on the calendar. I'm like, oh my that's god. April, so that's a little yeah. ways off. We're gonna be the, good. These last two weeks have been busy. Yeah. Like probably the busiest I've ever seen since we've been it here was, in our year and a half. I think it was the highest you know, the highest RPMs that the, the team has had. Um, on the mission side, you know, the team is always crushing it, getting after it on the hosting side. And again, you know, this is all all for great purpose for airmen. You know, it's that interest and advocacy and, and resourcing and care for and family. So it's been been really heavy lift. So I couldn't be more proud of well, the feedback we got. It's been well, it's cool. So I remember for the quarterly awards, what I told you, I was worried about where I'm going to bring the energy after we wrung them out for, for yeah. the last two weeks. And that was the best quarterly award ceremony I, I've been to. I think, I think they have, and I noticed this throughout the SYNC IEA and beyond, that they have more energy Somehow, it, it just they they keep they keep finding more. And maybe we're just old. They're they're more fired up than I've than I've actually ever seen in the command. We're gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss. I so, will miss you guys as well. We're gonna be kicking and screaming. That's the opposite. <laughs> so can I, sir? Can I ask you what what stood out to you about Chief Jarvis uh, when yeah. she arrived in her leadership style or in uh, areas? Yeah, a lot of things. Um, what what I noticed right away. I, I say this all the time and. The, the senior NCO Corps is is the heart and soul of any unit. You know, a unit that's failing and flailing, I look at the senior NCO Corps. A unit that's thriving, you almost always find a very cohesive senior NCO Corps. Um, so I definitely would say senior NCO leadership right off the bat. Um, she mentioned her connection with Colonel Rattan. So that ability to be the guide on bearer of standards and discipline, but also that translation of the commander's intent down and in, and making sure that down through the SELs and at the flight levels that that's getting communicated because you, you can't fight through Omicron without a very strong senior NCO SEL leader that's keeping all that stuff together. So I absolutely could visibly see what was going on there. And so I, I just saw great senior NCO leadership, period. I mean, Thank that's, you. That's the way I can say it. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Earned. Thanks. Awesome. Incredible. Yeah. I'm going to miss you. Chief Jarvis, before... 
we we close her up uh, one of my questions i wanted to ask you and chief flores i don't think i've ever asked you this but for some reason i thought of this have you ever been tempted to commission at one point in your career um maybe right after i went to dental hygiene school um maybe um but you know i will tell you people have always asked me why i haven't and i love being a chief master sergeant that's that's awesome um, I would have had to commission the public health service also because the Air Force doesn't have um, officer dental hygienist. But um, no, really, I love being a senior NCO. Once I got out of dental hygiene school, I was a master pretty quickly after that. And that feeling of, of what you're responsible for at that point is huge. It changes you. I think, you know, people always say, when did you join the Air Force? And I can say, you know, 1998. Um, how old were you? Reborn. I was. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, I'm glad I looked younger than right. I actually am. Thank you, Chief. Um, but so for me, really, it was when I became a senior NCO. I think I always held the Air Force, you know, near and dear to my heart and loved being an airman. But at that point, when I put that Master Sergeant stripe on, I was a very different. Um, it hit me different, right? Um, the responsibility was was immense at that point. But no, I've I've really never thought about commissioning. Nice. Over to you, Chief Flores. Commissioning? Yeah. So I always tell our FTAC airmen, I joined, I enlisted to not go to school. I, I'm intercity kid and, and school is not important to me, but the Air Force has a way to make you a lifelong student. Um, I think I've shared a couple of times, I have a master's and my bachelor's and uh, I love learning. As a matter of fact, if I won the lottery, I just go audit courses at universities all day um I listen to pod, i'm a podcast junkie and all that um but no i think at one point when i was at the top of my game as a boom operator being air crew watching the pilots fly and some of them super inexperienced i thought i no matter how good i get on my job i'm never going to command my own cockpit that was the only time i thought i need to go be an officer so i actually looked into being more an officer uh in the army to go fly helicopters and then i'm 18 year in that dream quickly uh, went to the to the wayside, and I wouldn't change a thing. Um, we had cadets not too long ago, and uh, they they were one of them was kind of complaining about you know always being told what to do and not being trusted. And I said, you know that that's humility. To me, that's the ultimate um, level of humility when you can, for us, always be the bridesmaid, never the bride. You're always going to work for a boss, and I think like can you still be influential? Can you still lead? that capacity regardless of what kind of boss you have and, and the answer is absolutely you better figure it out based on what colonel baker always likes to to to, to tell his, his big three that he expects from his, his squadron SCLs or, or above um so no, i love this it, it challenges you as a leader um because you're always going to work for somebody um in your direct chain and, and that's okay the, the beauty is when you can uh find a lot of influence space in that um and it's not always about the money when, when i talk to my young folks about going to ots I really uh, nug down on why do you want to go do this? Is it for the money? Because, you know, fact, once you make enough, uh, it shouldn't matter anymore. It's more about purpose and, and what's your end game when it comes to that. So, no. In, in conclusion, yeah. not really. <laughs> so, me too. I did the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm too long-winded to be an officer, so. <laughs> I don't think, don't think that's the case. <laughs> and then I get to work for amazing bosses like Colonel Baker and, you know, 
Chief Jarvis gets to work for amazing bosses like Colonel Roberts, and it's it's really neat to uh, really be an ambassador for your for your position. Um, you know, we, with Chief Aptekar here, we talked a lot about be relevant, be relevant. We fought for this for a long time. For a very long time, you never heard the command chief's name or the chief's name. They're there in the background, and we're okay with that. Uh, but now we're we're earning our place on the mailbox, and that's important to us. You know, the, the coolest thing ever is when Colonel Baker put the command chief's name on the jet, and <laughs> that was that was it was powerful not for me, but how long we come, and it's important for us to continue to carry that. Sometimes you got to know whether it's the first, you know, gal in this duty or this other duty, uh, how important your role is there. And sometimes going the other road is not going to deliver on that. Yeah, I think it, and it goes back to what, what you were asking me, Chief, about Chief Jarvis and what did you see? I definitely saw um, a chief who was the foundation to strengthening her commander, you know, strengthening that command team. You're, okay. you're the rock of that command team. So it, it amplifies and, provides that foundation, that platform for everything to happen. So that's that's fundamentally what what I saw when you got there and, and you do a lot of that same thing. Oh, sorry, what did we, you notice about it? Oh gosh. So one, I think week two she was already blowing up my phone about <laughs> about how this ain't right and it, and it wasn't. And yeah. you know, I, I listened I li- passed the sass, I listened and uh, <laughs> sorry Chief. The sass. <laughs> um, well the passion. You know what? Yeah. I, I'm sorry about that. Pass the passion. Um, I, I like hey Fight to listen, heard her concerns, and uh, she was absolutely right. And I said, "Okay, let's change it." And I think we built we built trust very quickly mm-hmm. on that. But then other little things. Um, you notice in small group, right? Small group. It's just us who always stood up to talk to you. Yeah. From the from oh the yeah, outside. your her decorum, yeah, your professionalism is absolutely world class for sure. In our watershed moment, there was <laughs> she was pretty animated. Her and her previous boss got along really well, and uh, I think they had a very uh, free, open relationship, and uh, I noticed some dynamics that I thought, you know what, there's nothing wrong with it, but I think we can get better. And we had a little conversation about it, and she totally took the feedback and and uh, um, optimized. And that's when I really saw, like, boy, she uh, she she's a good chief. And that's really what I walked away with, because uh, you know sometimes like man, long in the tooth or, or doesn't want to change. Now she's she takes the feedback from everybody and. Uh, Incorporated, still growing. Yeah, we still growing. Then we all are, for that matter. So, right. I think yeah, that hard. as a leader, if somebody gives you constructive criticism, you actually need to take a step back yeah. and and get past whatever feelings mm-hmm. you might have against it. But look at yourself in the mirror, and if you can see any anything that they um, are saying in that mirror, yeah. then you need to fix yourself. Right. And when when Chief Flores, um, you know, kind of said, hey, maybe you can do this differently or you can do it better. Um, I thought, man, I do do. I actually do that. And so I, I changed it. But, you know, one of the things with with calling you two weeks after I got here and telling you <laughs> that I didn't feel something was just um, lots of passion. Right. Lots of passion. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing about it is that that it was heard and changes were made um, and. I felt like I truly made a difference, yeah. right? So that legacy, making that mm-hmm. difference, and it, and it affected our airmen, and it affected them in a positive way. That's so. awesome. And it is, I, I, I take the same tack. Um, you know, we always, we're human, so sometimes you get feedback, and it, it stings a little bit. I mean, you know, let's, if, if you really are at the next level where you, you can take it, and it doesn't even sting when it's maybe about some idiosyncrasy about yourself or you, 
then then good on you. But that's a really hard place to get. But I do try to, regardless of the delivery, always try to look for, is there a thread there of something that, that is valuable, um, regardless of, of how the person delivered it? And I know y'all talk amongst yourselves very, you know, I think matter-of-factly among chiefs, chiefs, I think that chiefs pride themselves in, in direct, kind of unfiltered. Um, but even when it's not that kind of professional feedback, sometimes, you know, I've gotten feedback as a wing commander that I didn't really particularly like the level of professionalism with which somebody delivered something. But there's been several of those where it's been delivered in a way where I didn't really appreciate, but when I actually dig out what they're saying, there's actually something valuable in there. And it's yes. actually led me to think about things. in different Substance ways. over style. Substance over style. Yeah. And, you know, I would encourage people to always be respectful, professional, because it's a more effective way to communicate a message. But but I would rather figure out more about what's going on and how to how to change and make a difference than not know at all. Sure, that's, I think so, that's what you're really good at, though, is teaching people. It's not about kissing up or being politically correct. It's about what gives you the, the right to get your voice. And I think... Uh, the, the lazy answer is, oh, I, I'm keeping it real. But no, the challenge is, can you speak in a way where people want to listen? And I think you're really good at giving feedback uh, in that area to make sure that, hey, you're forgiving and you're going to listen to the substance over style, but many people won't. They're going to they're gonna shut down the second you your, your style sucks and uh, you're trying to help us get better and making sure that we communicate effectively because uh, at the end, of, a lot of airmen are, 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 are depending on that voice. So I think that's that's the one thing that you I've gotten a lot better at because of you. Well, I've I've been learning too, and I know some of my tells now when I'm when I'm getting feedback, and one of my tells when I'm not receiving it as well as I can is my if my first response is to be dismissive. Then now I it's a tell for myself now. I'll go back and go, yep, I'm being dismissive. I don't I'm I'm not liking what I'm hearing. So <laughs> right. I now there's a place where you're you're dismissive because may, maybe just and I don't mean dismissive in the sense of stop talking to me. I just mean, Hey, maybe that's not the right idea at the right time. So there's a, there's a nuanced difference, but if I'm doing it out of principle and I, and I don't think I do that a lot, but I have caught myself from time to time. Absolutely. You, it's yeah. human. Mm-hmm. You have a very to describe it. You say, uh, there's certain things you cannot give oxygen to. Yeah. Right. A lot of it's the peanut gallery sometimes, but I think you're really good at that. I'm like, mm, this is when it's obviously uh, way out of left field and we're not going to entertain that. I'm not going to give it oxygen. Yeah. Well, speaking of giving oxygen, <laughs> Chief, do you have your closeout? Do you have your yeah, closeout? Yeah. Listen, some oxygen for Chief Jarvis, who has probably administered oxygen many yeah. times so, so. and nitrous. No, I'm just yeah. oh. But so, Chief, this is your time. Uh, the The floor is yours. Uh, bid shout outs number one. Definitely give some shout outs. Uh, if you have any questions for us, this is your opportunity. Uh, and if you have anything that you just want to throw out there uh, by all means oh wow that's no pressure at all right (laughs) none um i think that i've said a lot as far as the altus effect right um i will tell you that the group of chiefs that we have here um on this base are absolutely amazing um you know there's something about chiefs i could meet a complete stranger and if they're a chief they're not a stranger any longer that's what we do Right. Um, we will always we have each other's back. Um, and, and I think that that's amazing. Um, my med group. Um, I will miss each and every one of those airmen in there, even the ones that um, sometimes have a little bit more difficulties with their lives. Um, but, 
and I have to say, get your life together on a regular basis. But, um, you know, my commander and in, in my SELs, I have absolutely loved working with them. Um, Colonel Roberts, you know, um, his, his, he's not medical any longer, right? His AFSC used to be medical, but they're, they're, it's not any longer. And to have somebody coming from that operational side back in and realizing what kind of airmen that we have also um, is, is amazing. So I will miss him and I will miss his family um, quite a bit as well. They're, they're amazing people. Um, and, and as far as just, just this place in general, um, it's so friendly and um, I'm not going to go back to that because I'm going to the DMV area and they are not friendly there. Um, that is, that is for sure. And then this command team, um, as well, I've had opportunities here that I wouldn't have had maybe anywhere else, um, with the, with both of you, Colonel Baker and Chief Flores, and then with Colonel uh, Brady Lee as well. Um, you know, I've Trusty covered Brooks. for Chief yeah. Flores a few times with Colonel um, Brady Lee, and I've I've definitely enjoyed it, and we've laughed, mm -hmm. right? We've laughed and tried not to get ourselves fired, and it has <laughs> been <laughs> it it's been great. But um, I guess the biggest thing is that um, make Altus what you want it to be. You have to make it to be what you want it to be, and so if you um, are here and you don't go into the community and you don't. Um, do try to make it fun. It's not going to be fun. But if you open your eyes and you see um, all of the greatness that it has to offer, then it will be one of your favorite places as well. And I can't even believe that's coming out of my mouth right now um, because never in a million years would I say that um, or would I think that I said that. And so one of the things that I'll also tell people is it's the it's one of the best kept secrets in the Air Force, right? You're here. I, I wish I could write a job ad yeah. for this job and, and to say. Um, you just did. There <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. Some of the best people in the world are right here. Mobility is hometown, right? That's right. Right. Uh, what is it, uh, a city with a future to share? Yeah. yeah and our, and our uh, PA SEO back there does a really good job narrating that. So, and shout out to him. He's got, he just found out he got an assignment to Misawa. Dakota, I'm sorry. And I think he's contemplating trying to turn it down to stay here longer. Alta's effect. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to go that far. Right. right. I think he's, he's giving us the... But, gentlemen, do you have any closing closing comments? Nah, this has been a great... I, I love these. You learn so much about the great people we have around us. We appreciate you, Chief. It's, you've really been there. Um, our, basically, you know, our run here, and for a large part of it, and for a really, really tough part of it, fighting through Omicron, fighting through some of the uh, different, um, you know, different challenges we've had. And you've been right there every step of the way. So you've been a, an amazing teammate. We really appreciate you. We are going to be sorry to see you go. You know, it'll be a great opportunity for somebody to step up. And I, I can't see, wait to see where you go in our Air Force. So no doubt you're going to kill it as the CFM, career field manager, and then cycle back. And I hope you, hope you stay all the way till, 30 plus or wherever it is that you end up, but we, we appreciate you. And it's been a great, it's been a great run. Thanks, thanks for being sir. our, thanks for being our, uh, close out, um, SEL here, I think for, for our podcast series. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on where it goes. Yeah. Uh, I think so. So awesome. yeah, I don't think anyone has, if you look at people's careers, 
the impact you made in one year was was immense. Yeah, I mean, with all the all the tangible wins you had over there. I mean, to close out uh, the command chief exec now, he got a, a step promotion from yeah, 19th Air Force, and I know yeah. you were instrumental in making that happen. And this is a way to do a year at Altus, I think, and to go on bigger and better things. And, hey, I know maybe next year she'll get an invite to the Legacy of the Spear yeah. as one of our <laughs> uh, strategic leaders. Uh, That'd be fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Chief Jarvis, you're going to be missed. Um, I remember when you walked in here to take your official your official photo right when you got here, and I was like, who the heck is this chief? Oh, med group chief? It, She's awesome. Who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> and, there you go. Yeah. And, and every other interaction since then has just been awesome. You know, and I know I'm talking um, from everybody when I say you're going to be missed and you're always welcome back to Altus. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate uh, that. But thank you very much for coming on, for giving us your time, your wisdom uh in in all the stories that you had um and with that i believe that's a wrap for episode nine really wow wow 9.7 that'll be episode 10 yeah there we go and uh with that thanks everybody thanks command team thanks chief jarvis i'm amarin jance we're logging off thanks guys we'll see you team thanks thanks chief thanks